0: Thank you and welcome to Den of Dorks. This is DJ, the host. Um, I wanted to thank you guys for watching my first episode. If it's something you like, uh, subscribe to my RSS feed and I'm going to try and put out more content when I can. Thank you. Today, we're uh, I'm welcomed by Michael and Andy. I'm uh, Michael and... Uh
1: uh, I, I'm more of like a theme player, you know. Uh, you know, my, my favorite colors are Rakdos. So I really like a heavy theme, and that's really what inspires my gameplay. I and mean, you know, some of the things I play. Yeah, I'm Andy, and uh, both uh, Michael
2: DJ got me into Magic. And I'd say uh, probably favorite colors green, but I think a lot of players will say that. Yeah.
0: Thanks for coming on today. So first, we're going to talk about Jumpstart. I know, Andy, you haven't played much of Jumpstart, but I know uh, me and Michael and, and another friend of ours have a collective cube, and I know me and Michael have been playing a lot of 40-card standard matches, and I know uh, it's been really interesting. It's been opening my eyes to things that I haven't played before. I've been playing a lot of, a lot of Orzhov, a little bit of Mono black. And I don't know, what, do you, what did you think about it so far, Michael? It's
1: really interesting, I think, about, like, you know, it kind of makes me think about Ikoria a little bit, too. like. How we're defining like keywords a little bit and what magic is as far as like you know anything we're doing like mill has become such a word that is like now a thing even though players have been using it for such a long time and you know with that establishment from the players we are both getting reinforcement from wizards and you know ourselves to be able to create these themes that are kind of driving through the whole you know any sort of magic format and I think you know jumpstart is a a real good way to be able to divide the themes. And I, it really showcases that well, and it really combines into something that's like both thematic fun and fast, which is what magic needs to be in my opinion.
2: I, I think it's uh, great for like anyone starting off especially, because like, like deck building, all that stuff, it's very complex. Like with Jumpstart, you literally put a couple pre-made decks together, right? You just jump right into it. It's, it's easier than drafts too. You don't have to build all this stuff that you don't even know all these keywords, all these different effects. I haven't played much of Jumpstart, but uh, from what I've done with you, Michael, it was—it was definitely a lot of fun. I mean, just mashing up different deck, like you know, colors together, and just trying out something new. It was fun. It was easy to play.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. I think one thing that Jumpstart does good about is they don't overhammer the arc of their tribes. Because that's one thing that a lot of people play into is tribal decks, and yes, there's goblins, there's an angels pack, there's a dinosaurs pack, but these aren't, they're they are not all just tribal, there's also a one, a, prolif- a proliferate pack, a 1-1 one, one pack, a bunch of other things too, so they're not standing in this ground of just just being a tribal, opposed to being different me- mechanisms around magic as well.
1: Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense too, I mean, especially since, you know, what you're saying about tribes really does make sense, it's like... You know, right now in Commander, you know, in any sort of set, you know, we are finding that which is producing tribes to be able to find something to, you know, really associate with. And, of course, you know, it does create this sort of thing that makes a, a more cohesiveness, essentially. Yeah.
0: Uh, jump. I mean, we've been, so how we've been playing a lot of our games is we've been picking, we've been uh, picking two packs at random. We have our, we have our Jumpstart cube. It's in the original prepackaged box. And we just have it sitting there in envelopes and paper or in uh, plastic sleeves and we just pick cards at random and form these two decks and, like I said, it's a good way to try out new colors you don't really play, find mechanics that you're interested in. It's good It's it's good stuff, and I'm glad Magic has been doing more more things to introduce people into playing.
1: That's true. And I think you make a really good point about Draft too. it's like, you know, we all together have maybe drafted what, you know, the last at least 5-6 sets or whatever, and you know, there's nothing wrong with drafting, you know, we haven't done Sealed too much, but you know, we we can really see you know the diversiveness of a 40 card format, which is something that you know is only really known in draft, or you know for that matter, you know I guess only known in people who, who create those 40 card packs, which is other than I mean
0: literally what we're talking about, draft. For sure, and I think draft is one of the one of the most played form formats of Magic, especially nowadays. I know paper Magic has been on the. Has been on the low end just because of covid and all and all that stuff going on right now but i know that we've i think sort of played more magic during during covid season just because we've been staying healthy and it's been draft has been fun it's been something that we look forward to whenever a new set comes out um i know right now i don't know about when this recording comes out but i know that times wild remastered will be out here soon and that's going to be a fun draft experience i know we're all looking forward to
2: well, you mentioned a good point that, like, with COVID too, like you would expect like a paper, you know, a paper game with with cardboard to kind of drop. But I think twenty, like, twenty twenty was kind of the most profitable year. I, think. I, I mean, I don't know if it's just like because people are at home, they got nothing to do, and so like Magic's like a, a great hobby to pick up, even without people getting together. I just think it's even even then, it's just such a fun hobby, and they've added so many new cards last year, mm-hmm. and I think just people love it. I mean, I fell in love with it. You, get, you guys started to get me in magic in like, 2016 but within the past year with all the sets that came out I was just it was like it was set after set and I was just like excited each time even without the draft I was like man I just want to get a box i want I want to open up something and mm-hmm. it was exciting but
1: yeah that, that's, that's a really good point you know and you know even when we did try to really just like get into it whenever Eighth the revolt was out mm-hmm. and you know all those kind of older sets it was like it was interesting and it was really you know typical to what magic was but you know, as we're evolving into this, you know, new amalgamation of you know magic. You know, like Jumpstart pretty much is, is kind of what magic is doing a little bit. It's like jumping into this whole thing about diversity and as far as like what the story can be about or what even the cards can be about. Or something even like Corey too. It's like you know, I, I can really see from here. You know, your and Andy is like so much more to be able to digest that is reasonable rather
0: than just like random cards that don't make sense. Mm. You know, nothing to identify with. Well, I know we've really been talking about just the effect that I know Jumpstart has had on us. So I wanted to start actually going into some of the cards that I've I've seen some of these packs. So I know in one of the packs we have a Baneslayer Angel, an extended art one at that. Um, so Baneslayer Angel uh, is a white card that That's two, two white for three in three colors, flying first strike, lifelink protection from demons and from dragons. It's also borderless and that comes in one of the angel packs and there are tons and tons and tons and tons of packs in uh jumpstart
1: you no know, and it does really actually you make a good point too because this supplemental sort of set that isn't in a block format like you know we're kind of used to from before is really different you know as far as like uh, different in the way, like we are, we are getting sides of magic that aren't necessarily there because of these reprints. And yeah, you know, Jumpstart is introducing new cards too. But like, the Slayer Angel is a card, you know, not exactly heavily reprinted into the ground, but I mean, it definitely needed a couple. Like, that's a substantially good white card that should probably be around that price, three dollars.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, um, I know. Uh, so there's twenty different types of uh, of categories that they do for these packs, and I know there's at least one for each. But I know there's a lot of them that have three, even four packs accustomed to them. Like, there's a Dinosaurs pack that has four. And some of the cards that comes with are really good. The, a lot of the difference is to the packs are these one cards. But, yeah, there's just a lot of cards as well. No, I saw you looking it up
2: the other video, Sean. And there were, like, like, some, like, probably, like, hundreds of packs or something like that. It was... There was a lot. And I've we've only t- just barely dipped our fingers into it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um... Are there any, um, Michael? I know what what is what is a couple cards maybe you've pulled from your jumpstart that were really good. I but...
1: thought I thought one of the most impressive cards I got was Bruvok. Um, I mean I, I really do like some of the really powerful cards like Allosaurus Shepherd and Hook Behemoth and stuff like that. But I mean I don't play green and also it's like, you know I I I like I appreciate kind of complexity in the regular mechanics. Like being able to mill your opponent for twice the amount that they normally mill is really cool and it's something that like i don't know kind of sets apart you know a way to be able to play milling or you know any sort of mechanic with that you know significantly better and there's you know it kind of brings up into my mind like you know laboratory maniac and stuff where you mill or Thalsa's oracle which is a lot of people talking about like right now cards that be able to get you down to you know zero of your library and then you win the game I i really like it but I can also feel, like, people obviously getting annoyed with some of these mechanics. Just, like, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think about milling,
0: for example?
2: Like, I don't think milling's too powerful, but, like, with the right combo, like, it can definitely definitely be, like, a, like a one-shot effect. I know, um, you know, my brother, when he plays, uh, he likes the mirror, and he plays, like, a combo, like, Teferi's Tutelage, or Peer into the Abyss, and then, immediately, someone mills their entire deck. But, I mean, it takes a combo to do that. I, I don't think it's, like, overly powered. But I think it opens up a lot of opportunity for graveyard play. And I, I think that's something that, I mean, I, I like graveyard play. I, love, I like playing into black and just having more ways to manipulate that. I think that's fine for the format.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. And I think anytime you have black and then you're saying mill, this Demir is the perfect color for me. I know sometimes there's a little bit of mill in some other colors, but there's graveyard play in black. You have to draw in blue. Um, like you were talking about earlier, the fairies tutelage and peer yeah, uh, yeah. into the abyss. Yep. That's an instant combo that kills someone right off like that. One thing that I know uh, has made me not like Mill less and less is the uh, Commander Precons that came out for Commander Legends, which we will get into a little bit later. But since we're touching on it now, the Demir and the Rogues. It's the Mill that is. We've been playing a lot of against a lot of Rogues, and the Mill is is is. I'll just say for now, it's it's, it's, it's a, I don't like it.
2: <laughs> no, I, no, playing against it, it's horrible. But it's a it's a good deck. You can't you can't deny it. I think out of all the decks, especially those twenty dollar uh, pre cons that have been coming out, Anawan, the ruined. Oh my gosh. Oh Anawan, Animon? Anawan's yes. too so so good. Like out of
0: all those decks that just came out recently. Oh oh I, I think that's probably the best one. Oh most definitely. Um, so do you guys have any more any last thoughts on uh Thumbstart? Uh. It kind of when, when we did M21, I remember
2: they gave me a couple of like box tops, like jumpstart packs with it. Uh, I think it was uh, I think it was devils and vampires. Mm. Oh, and I, I I really did love it. I, I was like, it was the vampires that got me because I remember it had Vito uh, Thorn mm. uh, in there The Dust, and, uh, the dust,
0: uh, dust Thorn. Oh, uh, Dust Thorn. Yeah. And Can you was... elaborate on what he does or something that you would do with him?
2: So he says whenever uh, you gain life, target opponent loses that much life and i think for me I, when i was first getting into magic like back those years ago when we did a i think white was like one of my preferred colors i just like that life effect that was one of the first effects i was like oh jesus this is great i can take so many more hits now that i have so much life it just it's overwhelming at a certain point but then using life as your weapon when i saw that through Vito, i was like oh i have to build this and then of course you guys know my notorious edgar markov deck i was like people hate him mm-hmm. Because he's just so powerful, he gives you so many tokens. But I I've honestly leaned off the token creation. I, I just love that aspect of, of playing with life link and draining people's life by gaining life. It just it's it's a cool effect, and that was from Jumpstart. Jumpstart got me into that. So that's my last thoughts. On.
0: Well, um, it looks like I think we're gonna go into Double Masters now. One thing I did um, I did like about Double Masters is personal story. I uh, walked in when Double Masters came out. Walked into our local. Our local gaming gaming store and I'm um, cracked pack. See, I'm a big fan of cracking packs, so got a, got a pack of double masters. Opened it up, got a force of will. Said, "Huh, I remember that." This is a pricey card. <laughs> I went to the table, traded it in, and got a box of Ravnica Legions immediately. Like that. like a you literally I opened know. it in front of them. <laughs> yep, <was> I, like... <laughs> I opened it in front of them. Same thing with uh, Jewel Glotuses, but I'll like I'll talk about that later in <laughs> of Legends. But yeah, so Double Masters, I think, for me, the one thing that stands out is it's a very, it's a pricey pack. I think they sell at, I think it's around $15 per pack of Double Masters. A bit pricier, so to buy a box, um, you're looking around $200, I'd say. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it's just, you know, you bring up, you know, kind of the first thing that comes up to my mind is like, you know, double masters or any master set kind of feels like a gamble a little bit. And, you know, it's, it's a good and bad thing. You know, of course there's you know really great reprints that are going on in this set, but it's like, you know, double masters everyone knew from the get go. You know, even the stores you know had it in and all of the plastic packaging and all the things to be able not get it out. This is the set that is the money. I can talk about so thing. many good ass cards in this. Honestly, it's just like, I I don't know. It's hard to say like my appreciation exactly. <laughs>
0: I have a list made of the priciest cards of double masters. I'd like to see that. The top card is Force of Will, <laughs> the card I actually got rid of. And then we go down the list, and it's looking like is rising. It says it's right. The cards are rising in prices right now. I think that comes with any any set. Right. We get cards like um, Force of Will. I think they reprinted Mana Crypts for this. Feast mm-hmm. and Famine's on there. Sort of, he's doubling. Yeah, Look at these. These cards are, are good. Cards are, are amazing. Yeah, way
2: too good, dude. I, I need some of them.
0: And I think, like, the the price is good, but I know I've been in, recently getting in a kick of, of flipping boxes and doing that monetarily, and I definitely think $200 is a lot for a, for a box, oh, yeah. but with these... With the even if you're trying to flip it and you may not get cards you're still getting these extra cards that maybe aren't worth a dollar but they foils may help you spoils they may start helping you with your other decks to fill that around you're what you're selling around 20 cards maybe maybe less than that to for however much money and then you're left with hundreds of cards left over that so the values values good and it's looking like right now the price is sitting at uh, 237. For the worth, the average worth, it's around two hundred for box. So it's looking at good. Take a look at the list of cards for double masters. Really interesting some of the cards on here. It I mean it just brings me kind of the thoughts of like
1: you know, since Magic is, you know, right now, Commander's like, the most popular format. It's like you're seeing all of these great legendary creatures coming in with it. All these great, you know, artifacts and enchantments. Too. So that's a
0: good list there. Like, you Mana get Crypt. these, you're oh, getting, yeah. if you get a Borderless Force of Will, you're you're good. Um, but it's also a good card in itself. So is Mana Crypt that rips you hard. Oh, yeah. I'm um, looking at Sword of Feast and Famine. All of the swords, Swords of Fire and Ice, all of these swords, they, they're, they're worth as much in money as they are in, in the game right now it makes a lot of sense Avison. Avicen is a is a crazy card let me get don't get me started atroxa
2: oh yeah atroxa is great you're getting I, all i know about
0: that <laughs> you okay. get all these land tax. it's it's i think out of anything if i had to say one more thing on it it's definitely a set of pricey cards that it's definitely a gamble to get on it but it's it, it could be worth it yeah, does have any any last thoughts on maybe Double Masters? I know we haven't drafted that set. Oh, yeah. It's something I'm probably the least familiar with with the sets
2: recently that came out. It's something I haven't bought into yet, but just, uh, at some point here,
0: maybe. maybe. Yeah, they have a Cyclonic Rift. You know, that's a great card for blue. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: It's a great card. So...
0: You know I me. Mean? It'd be right in my Niv-Mizzet deck.
2: Yeah, about every, every blue deck will want a Cyclonic Rift. Oh, yeah. Just about.
1: Just made, like it's interesting that we're we're talking about jumpstart and double masters kind of like together like this because it doesn't make big sense and they they did come up pretty closely as far as like you know wizards of the coast is doing a lot of supplementation for you know the best format or at least you know the best format that we it is certainly they've like they got us a little bit you know what I mean like they're they're very much like we we need all of these cards you know and this you right. know you got you got introduced to it in tracks be, mostly because of double masters like you know that yeah, yeah. that's like a whole thing is like it is diversifying like these impossibly good effects that are, you know, really standard to magic and that, you know, people need to see more commonality in play. But, you so, know.
0: so you mentioned, you guys mentioned Atraxa. Would you mind explaining, explaining what Atraxa does exactly? Or how you would go, or how you would combo off with it or something? Right. Just a simple...
2: Yeah, Atraxa, she's a flying Vigilance lifelink death touch 4-4 for, uh, uh, what is that, ink? I think it's ink, uh, the colors. It's, it's green, white, blue, black. And, um, essentially she says at at your end step, you proliferate, and just the m- amount of ways you can manipulate that. Yeah, when, you, when I think of counters and proliferating, I usually just think of the plus one, plus one counters. But then you start thinking more like poison counters, or you know, these other effects like uh, uh, Planeswalker counters, those are counters as well. Uh, there's just so many ways to counters manipulate, oh, counters. There's, there's just um, so many different counters out there beyond just like the plus one, plus ones. I've, I've honestly really enjoyed the deck. I, I know she's been probably one of the, the hottest deck like, commanders, like, especially if you look on like EDH rank or something. She's really high up in the rank. Um, I've really enjoyed the deck. I know some people might not like playing against it just because of its high manipulation and like power level. And that's just something, you know, you just gotta let your players know that you're gonna be playing something like that. I honestly like it. Uh, and yeah it was pretty much introduced to me with double masters and I, i've enjoyed the heck out of the deck that's
0: really all i got to really say about it yeah all right um i think we're going to then segue into one of the sets we draft we did draft and i think we've drafted multiple times and i think we've had a good bit of fun with it. This is zendikar rising and uh, the first thing i want to talk about uh about I think I'm going to start with, in most of these sets, is the mechanics, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, in Zendikar Rising, the main mechanics were party, were, um, what else? Party... There's a lot of landfall. Lot landfall, of, landfall, landfall. You sh- yes, landfall. A lot to do with lands, for sure. Um, and so, I think the... The the party. Com- I think this is the first time that we are actually introduced to the party mechanic in, in Magic: Gathering. Am, am I correct? Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I I think they they tried
2: doing some stuff with it before. I think like like not really like a party mechanic, but like sort of like introducing warriors rogues together. But I don't think they actually went into it until just recently with the Zendikar Rising.
0: Okay, because I know. Uh, so yeah, the Zendikar Rising mechanics I think were good. I, I was okay with it honestly like like i don't know I, I don't
2: dislike the cards that zendikar rising came out with but i i don't think they had a strong enough effect like like we're on the topic of the the full party mechanic and uh i tried building into that and it's just right now i think it's too new of a mechanic there's not enough cards only one set created this mechanic which is in rising and there's just not enough cards around it it felt like when I was jumping in the full party I, I went a chromatic build and with that chromatic build it felt like I was dipping too much into everything but not centralizing one win condition. At least for the ED, like for EDH format for commander it didn't really work out as well as I wanted it to. I think they should build more onto it because I, I enjoy that type. they kind of they kind of based around the Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. kind of kind um of way of thinking right where you want a well balanced party, you want that cleric, you want that rogue, that warrior. Uh, that wizard you know I, I think that's awesome and I, I you know we're avid fans of Dungeons and Dragons so obviously for me it's like a, I'm biased about it I really want to see it pop off I think maybe
0: they need another set to come out well I believe they're coming out with Xanathar's correct or not no, Xanathar's, no, it's forgotten realms it's round. and I think forgotten they're gonna rounds, yeah, I think yeah. they're gonna bring in more party mechanics mm-hmm. can maybe start start trying to round out the mechanic to maybe make it more more than a Maybe releasing a box set every year, or doing something to make party mechanic more viable, I guess. I think that would be great for it, because right now it doesn't seem
2: too powerful. Fun to play with, I mean, like, if you want to just have fun with your friends, play maybe like, not super competitive decks, it's definitely fine, but as of right now, you're not going to see any tournament players
1: playing full party. Oh yeah. But on the other end, Landfall? Oh yeah. Mm, Ooh, landfall. Oh, Landfall. Yeah. No, like, I mean, you can really see it too, it's like, you know... It's kind of my thoughts about Fertel and we'll talk about that later about you know newness and sets and how maybe I feel like they need to add a little bit more to make supplementation but that's you know how they get that money too but you know Landfall you know like when we started playing you know me and DJ we played you know Zendikar Battle for Zendikar and Landfall it was like oh this is kind of interesting there's like nothing really going on but you know now you know we can really see the full effect of it and it's like you know especially in you know Commander you know that's the format that's really going it's like lands lands matter you know in, in, in any sort of deck you know it's not like you're going to be playing these short games where it's like you're counting your lands exactly and you know each land drop really hits and so it like just like that that extra spice for this just for sure. you know overwhelms the format oh well, yeah
2: it, it it sucks when you're playing any other deck and you're top decking and you're like oh please don't be a land for for a landfall deck you're hoping it's going to be a land and that's the, I think that's what makes it broken too not like i don't, I don't know if i'd say broken but at least very powerful I, I I loved uh, when we drafted it. When we drafted it, we uh, I remember I was looking for one card. I was looking for the new Omneth. Like, they came not, they came out I think it's like their their fourth edition of Omneth. Like. Mm-hmm. It was Omneth. Um, no, not locus Great, It was um, Logos of Creation. Lo- mm-hmm. I think it's locus of Creation. Uh, Double check that <laughs> for me. But uh, yeah. Essentially, he's like uh, when he enters the battlefield. You uh, gain four life and draw a card. Oh, no, no, you draw a card. First landfall trigger, you gain four life. Second landfall trigger, you gain devotion to his color and mana, which I believe is white, blue, green, and red. And then his th- third trigger is every uh, planeswalker and opponent takes four damage. I honestly really liked that. It was different landfall triggers. So if you're able to get more than one land on the same turn, a different effect would happen. And I was like, that's really, really cool. Usually, with the most creatures or anything enchantments add landfall it's going to be the same effect over and over again with him it's a different effect each time and I, I was like that's, that's actually really really genius I think that's great for the format adds a lot of capabilities and I, I really liked the deck I made around it I, I think I think landfall was yeah I think it was really fun with him.
0: oh I agree um, I know during draft when we drafted it both times I both played I just played Celesny and landfall mm-hmm. and I think I I, I did enjoy it because like Michael said lands matter no matter what, you're gonna be playing lands. It's not like how in uh, let's for let's say a a rogue's deck. Like you're not always gonna be playing. You're not always gonna be having rogues and let. I know if you're having rogues tribal, but you're gonna be having lands and stuff. And you want you want those other cards more than the lands a lot of times. But it, lands do matter. Lands, like you said, do matter. And I think that's a uh, uh, the next uh, good way to segue into our next mechanic, which was kicker, mm-hmm. actually. And how kicker works is, for example, uh, Mita Marasa is a one green, one colorless card. It's an instant. Uh, its uh, kicker is a two extra, or two colorless and a green extra, so three extra. And its trigger, or target creature, gets plus three, plus three until the end of turn. If the spell is kicked, the creature gets plus five, plus five. So you're casting a two mana spell that would give you plus three, plus three if you kick it. It's a Five mana spell that gives you plus five plus five. So kicker works like that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know when they first introduced kicker, but it was definitely
2: you know it's definitely been out. But when I was uh, playing it, I I think it's um, definitely it's not. I don't think it's overpowered because it costs a lot of mana to to play a kicker spell. And if you don't have the mana, you just play the spell itself. Um, It's something I haven't played much into, but I can definitely see it being a very effective thing, Uh, like just way of playing, especially in the EDH format. Uh, I remember one commander I, I looked at trying to possibly that was uh, Verizal, the Split Current. I believe it was part of the Zendikar Rising. And he says, uh, Verizal, the Split Current, when he enters the battlefield, he enters with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana to spe- uh, you cast him uh, for, which he is X and a green and a, and a blue, so Simic. And he says whenever you cast a kick spell, you remo- may remove two plus one, plus one counters from him and you get to copy that spell.
0: Kicked? Is it copy? Kicked? Copy the kicks? Wow. That's, that I mean, I, that can go off there. I know there's a lot of oh, mana yeah. ramp with kicker too, so that could really go off.
2: Oh, especially in Simic? That's card oh, draw. Card yeah. draw land. Oh, you're gonna love it. If
0: you listen so. to this podcast, you're gonna know that I think that Simic <laughs> is the best color combination oh, for yeah. Commander.
2: I think I, I think it really is. I, I mean, you get green, and, and you know everyone says that green's very powerful because it is. You, you, pretty much delve into anything. Oh everything. yeah, I
0: could make a whole episode about it.
2: Yeah, ramping, card draw, but then blue also adds that extra oomph to the card draw. It's just, I think Simic is very powerful. But uh, that's another video. Yeah, that <laughs> is another, another video. Yeah.
0: So I'm, next I'm going to go into uh, the, pre, the two pre-cons that came out before Zendikar Rising, which were uh, Sneak Attack, which was Annawan, the Rune Thief, Rogues, which is uh, Demir, and then Oboon. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, I, I, I got the uh, Abun deck. That's what I trans- I transitioned it into the Omnath deck.
0: Because yeah. what color is it? Is it red, white, green? Yeah, it's Nea,
2: and then you just add the extra blue to it, and then you get Omnath, and I just kind of melded the deck around it. It
0: kicks off, man. It's so, so powerful. So, yes, it's it's a definitely a landfall-heavy deck, right? So yes. So that's, that's something... See, with with the pre-cons, I like that magic shows what the, what the mechanics they're working on, and they show them in these commanders maybe not the rogues as much the rogues is is a is a mill deck as we were explaining earlier Mm -hmm. and i don't want to really talk about it but (laughs) if you guys want to you can
2: i think i said what i said i think the mill i think that i like the mill effect i think it's a i think it's uh like i said not too powerful but has a lot of different combinations of, of moves that you can play very powerful deck, All I gotta say. I think end one up is great.
1: They still have good themes, I and mean, I think the the things that really do yeah. shine in both of them is modal DFCs. Like, oh yeah, you know, modal that's, DFCs. Would, yeah, would you like tough. to
0: explain what the modal DFCs are?
1: Modal DFCs are cards that have two sides to them, and when you play them, you can choose which side to play. Uh, you know, either side has different mana costs, and it could be lands or whatever. It's like, you know, while we're also talking about lands matter, like lands sometimes don't matter too. You know, like. When you're when you're drawing into it having the choice to be able to still play a land and play while playing something else is so huge it's like you know while to me like i thought zendikar rising was like pretty underwhelming in comparison to some of the stuff like set boosters and all this extra stuff too like i mean like the one thing that does shine modal dfc's like that's true
0: well, i think they were introduced in, if i'm not mistaken in commander and zendikar rising and i think in the past couple sets they keep they've continued making them even in call they're making these modal they're making these modal double faced commanders mm-hmm. and stuff you know as I've, as i'm building more commander decks
2: too i have been actually putting in less basic lands and actually adding more modals cuz it's like a lot of those cards right it's one face is the, is the land the other face is a great effect like undo inversion or whatever it's like a, a 6 and a and a 2 white is for a board wipe destroy all non land permanents or you play it tapped as a white land, you know. That's card advantage. It's card advantage. Card advan- yeah, exactly. It's it's a. I think it's great for the format. I think it adds a lot of different variation.
0: Oh yeah, definitely combinations you can make. I know one. It's an uncommon one from Zendikar. I think it's called. I think. Uh, Return of the ball of God and it's a green. Blend. Oh yeah, Ballagod recovery. Yeah, Ballagod ball recovery. recovery. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, in the other side of the card just get a get a get a creature from your graveyard. So I think that gives you card
2: advantage. Not even just a creature, any card. And that's what I was, I was, surprised. I, I I try to run it in every green deck now. It's literally any target card from your graveyard. That's it. That's powerful. For three, for three mana or a land drop. That's a really good card. Just make
1: sure you make sure you have sleeves, or they're gonna. The <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that's the only weird part. I don't really know about. <laughs> I mean, it's like I like the split cards in Magic a little bit, where it's like whatever, like. What's well, a good one? Dusk and Dawn is a great one. Oh, yeah, it's like I like those cards a little bit, but, they, but it's like yeah, you know you can't play a land like that. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, de- like...
2: definitely small like uh, nitpick thing, but you're right because like um, you know one of our players they they have to, she likes to play with uh, clear sleeves, and so when you play a modal land, it's like oh they can kind of see your your one of your cards in your hand at the table, so that's that's just a nitpicky thing, but I think they're great for the format. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, um, is there anything about this set that you maybe didn't like, or that is something you think kind of underwhelmed you about, About because I know we drafted it?
2: Yeah, other than the uh, f- full party mechanic,
0: I think that was the underwhelming
2: part that I was really excited about, so I-, I can see why, Michael, you say it's like a little bit of an underwhelming like set, I think because of how lackluster the, the full party mechanic was for me, I think I can agree with you with there. I- I want to see more of that, especially in their uh, their set with the new, what would what what you call the new Dungeons and Dragons set? Yeah, Forgotten Realms. Forgotten Realms. I hope to see more of that, and, and hopefully empower it because I, I really want to
0: get into it. You got anything for that, Michael?
1: I mean, Andy said it's pretty much my whole thoughts about it. I mean, it's like I feel like the, these little sets where it's like not combined with anything exactly sometimes doesn't lend itself well to like the play of it. I liked Battle for Zendikar a lot. I liked that, you know, that kind of era a little bit. And I liked Block Format a little bit better too, but it's just like, you know, how do you create new cards without, you know, while maintaining a the strict theme kind of thing. I mean, it's just like, Zendikar was really cool, you know, but I feel like, like, from the get-go, everyone's expectations were, were gonna be everywhere because because it's such a, you know, kind
0: of card thing, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so the next set that we played was Commander of Legends, and I know, that was I know for a lot of us one of our favorite sets of recent that we played. Yeah, we're we're big Commander players for sure, so having a set based around our
2: the format that we love and a lot of magic players love, I'm sure. I I, I really enjoyed the Commander Legends a lot, and actually. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, I still get like like to get boxes for Commander Legends. I traded cards from you, DJ, a bunch of cards from you from Commander Legends. I mean, yeah. I, I I've been liking the set a lot so far.
0: Um, I mean I've been enjoying uh, it a lot as well. It gives a lot of potential for new commander players. Oh, yeah. They have the availability. Um, just commander legend. This is the, I think C- commander is the number one most played, most.
2: We started with like standard, I believe, but like moved our way into brawl. And I was like, oh, I loved brawl. I loved mm-hmm. having this, this dude in the side that I can rely on and build a deck around. It, it made it so much easier to combo different cards. And I, you know, like I, I just love comboing cards, and so having a card that you can always rely on to to combo with is just it was great. And so Commander was just the perfect format for me, and uh, I, I don't know, it's gonna be hard for me to transition to other other set uh, other formats if I'm being real. It's just I enjoy it that much. So Commander Legends, it was like it was like yeah, this is the set for me
1: it was true. It was probably the one that I had that highly like anticipated and, you know, it it kind of reflects like my, you know, every single one of my thoughts about every other set that we played this last year or just like even coming up. It's like, you know, how are you going to get past something that like, you know, everyone really likes Mm. and, you know, the the command zone, such a a cool addition to the game, you know, It, it, it just adds like that whole next level of theminess and interactability, you know, between other people, you know, it's like, it gives you something to really identify with and, you know, magic kinda of has trouble with that a little bit sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, overall, like, it was so supplemental to like what everyone was doing. There was no way I I, I think it was going to fail. Like, you know, I, I oh, was no, trying to no, get no, just out, out from the get go. Right. Well
0: they agree they introduced that. they had seventy one legendary creatures in this set. Yeah. So that's a possibility of seventy one commander decks. Well yeah. and
2: and partner,
1: right? Partner <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, my.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I know in recent recent sets, I guess we should start with mechanics. So, uh, yeah. the main one of the main mechanics in Commander Legends was partner mechanic. Mm-hmm. And how partner mechanic works is a, if a card says partner, you're able to use that card as your legendary as your commander if it's a legendary creature and another card that has partner as well. Mm-hmm. So, in earlier sets, there are partner with cards. So, example, Shabraz the Sky Shark, which is an Azorius card, is a partner with um Braylon yeah, yeah. Sc- Skyrider. All the a lot of these seventy-one legendary creatures have have partner on them. So you there's just oh, endless combinations of decks you can do. Partner was a big a big mechanic. Um, I, I really, really like
2: Partner. I mean I I just recently made a deck with partner. I, I think it adds a lot of Different combinations and variations. I think in some aspects it can be a little bit too powerful in some in some ways. I think like mi- mixing in some certain certain commanders just they just combo off each other too well, where it's like okay maybe it's a little bit broken. I I like it overall. I think it's great for the for the uh, commander format. I mean I play command I play partner commanders a lot. I have a couple decks with partners now. Um, for me I like it. I, I think it's cool. I, I I can't really bash it too hard.
0: I,
1: I really like partner a lot when I first read it, I thought I was partner like in the library and I thought well, that was ridiculous because I mean that is what partner with is but they whatever but like right. you know it, it's kind of hard what to really know of its effect like you know I you know in, in all of my regular play like I I pretty much still see one one you know commander not partner usually and you know it'll, it'll just you know like and, and that's a good point about two earlier just like I, I never really saw anyone play like Thrasios and stuff like that you know because it's like both expensive, and it's like, you know, what am I really doing? Like with these two commanders, it's like Commander Legends with partner. You you have su- such an array of what to do, and it's like it it is this great catching feeling I think for a lot of players because it's like oh now I have I have this combo like essentially in my command zone that I can play off
0: of. Yeah, and I agree, and I know what. Uh, going back to something you said earlier, just that ability to have a commander like that it's, it really makes Commander stand out because you can put more thought into it. You said themes, you can do tribal more like it, but it, it gives you an advantage. You're able to fiddle around with a mechanic or something that you like. And you can make it however you like because there's a lot you can do in Magic. There's, there's thousands of thousands upon thousands of cards to do with and Commander makes it so that you can build off of one creature that you absolutely like or one creature you absolutely don't like. (laughs) You do really whatever you want. Um, Another one of the mechanics, I think the only other one in the Commander Legends uh, uh, is Encore. And so uh, Encore uh, is an ability that lets you summon, uh, it's usually a creature. A creature has Encore, and you can summon them from the graveyard for their Encore cost. And um, they come up. They come onto the battlefield, uh, um, or you get one for each opponent, and they come onto the battlefield with haste. At your end step, they are sacrificed or exiled. Um, so there's a lot of uh, so there's a lot of cards that have this encore, and it's it's playing around commander. You're playing multiple people. You're playing three, four. So encore enables this commander, uh, this commander aspect where you can sit down and play with these four people, and then. Like for example, this there's a Briar Blade adept. Uh, it has encore for four. When that dies, you can encore that from the graveyard. And if you're playing against three people, that's three more tokens of that for the turn you can swing with. Yeah, encore was something I didn't play into very much.
2: Of I, I thought it was a cool effect. But what I was honestly really more just excited for was just like the fact that honestly a lot of the reprints uh, too. I, I think like I mean they reprinted like Arcanes and it's like Soul mm-hmm. Rings right a lot and yeah. and. Those are cards where I'm like, just about every commander deck you see, it wants to have those two cards in it and there's just certain cards where like every commander deck, every commander player is going to want to put them in and so the fact that they were reprinting those, I thought that was a a step in the right direction for sure too. Um, I I thought that was great for the format and just for people's budgets too, because those cards are certainly a little pricey and that's something that commander I think uh, you know, there's been more demand for certain cards now and so they they should reprint these cards that are expected to be in Pretty much most decks.
0: Oh, I agree with you and I think one I think it may be a, a really it was a really overhyped card at the beginning of it coming out Because people were pre-ordering this card for 300 mm-hmm. like $200, $300. This card is jewel glotus. <laughs> yeah, you got two of them Oh, you? yes, I get <laughs> I got two jewel glotuses from single packs and the one thing is, these cards sell for. I think their market price right now is around 80 like eighty-five dollars right now. Yeah. Uh, so I happened to pull two, and that, and that kind of got me into to where I am now with flipping boxes. I flipped. I got a commander legends, another commander's Legends box, and some extra cards for those two jewel lotuses. And then I bought another box, got a vampiric tutor, got up, got some more stuff. Yep. I'm two for two on vampiric tutors and boxes right now too. So that's been good. Um, I, I do like Commander Legends a lot, uh, they have Sakashima of a Thousand Faces, that card. Uh, one rule that applies in Commander is the Legend rule, and that, um, and that rule is that you cannot copy legendary creatures, and this card uh, enters the battlefield as a copy of any target, cre- target creature and ignores the Legend rule, so you can have basically two of your commanders out. Mm-hmm. This card also has Partner. So you could really you there's a lot of possibilities using partner cards with this like like Michael was talking about Thrasios earlier. They're doing that with Sakashima or There's a there's a lot to do. As well as scroll rack was another good card that came out in this set. Oh yeah. Can you explain what that does to me? To to us, Andy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for for one colorless, uh, or for two colors, you put on the field, and its ability is it's, it's a colorless artifact. For one colorless, and you tap it, you exile any number of cards from your hand face down, and then put that many cards from the top of your library into your hand, and then you can put the exiled cards uh, back on top of your library in any order. Uh, that that's actually a card I didn't know really what to do with much for a while, and I actually did find a find a deck for it. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to hate it, and I, I'm hoping maybe I try it against you guys at one time, but I might lose you guys as friends playing it. But it's uh, I put it in Narset, the Enlightened Master, and she says she's first-rate Hexproof Commander for three and just die. And she says when she attacks, you exile the top four cards of your library, and you go, you can play the non-land cards for free without paying their mana cost. So essentially, it's yeah. constant top-deck manipulation. It's where you get all these big uh, non-land cards on top. You get like the extra turn cards, like the Karn temporal Sundering or whatever. I, I think scroll rack was really cool for being able to manipulate the top of your deck and to draw into something great for you know, especially late game or even early game. Just just having the right cards for the type of scenario you're in. Uh, so scroll rack, in certain ways, a little bit um, powerful, but i found a use for it, so I'm happy about it.
1: No, it brings a good point, you know, about what you were saying about reprints earlier and, and kind of, like, what's been going on with ex- the accessibility of Commander, you know? Like, we have all these really great ways for old players to be able to find new avenues to be able to create, like, really powerful and really interesting decks, and it's the same thing for, like, new players, too, and, you know, while while obviously, you know, we're facing, like, the brunt of all of these really awesome things, you know, and it's horrible to play against, it's really fun, you know? and You know, especially since, like, you know it's it's so supplemental to itself and you know kind of the multiplayer really aspect of it you know not a lot of people are playing 1v1 commander so it's like you know i feel like it's, it's a really big talking point amongst the community because everyone knows like yeah, you know, th- this is what's happening
0: yeah i agree and i uh i think one one thing that was really severely underrated from this set is the lands is these, yeah is these, i've been calling them commander lands only because when they enter the battlefield if you have more than two opponents, they enter untapped. And I think that's great for the format. It it adds more, and they're, they're duo lands, mm-hmm. and it adds more you can do with your deck. And I know you mentioned earlier, Andy, that you've been putting less and less basic lands in your deck. And I think they're starting to supplement more and more lands, these basic lands, with cards that you can put in. Mm-hmm. So these duo lands, the shock lands, all these other non-basic lands, I think they're doing... they're they're. They're not doing away with them, but I think they're definitely trying to move a little bit more towards something more that gives you more card advantage oh, yeah. or advantage in another way. Definitely a balance, though,
2: too. Especially I like to play green. Uh, a lot of a lot of basic land search, not so much right, just land search. So having a lot of these different uh, like choices, you still gotta play your basic lands. So you can't go without them. But having having these nice choices of. Right, you have two or more opponents you get this double land for un- untapped i think that's really cool especially since you know there, there are pricey pricier cards cards are that probably beyond my budget that are, that, are do, that do the same effect right but they're going to be like 10 plus dollars and i'm just not willing to pay that much but th- these new ones that came out they're a they're lot cheaper they're like reprinted a lot more they're they only, they're only like a couple bucks mm-hmm. it's like i can i can do that i can do that not 10 bucks for land so i think those types of lands those kind of effects are great for for people Getting into the format and and just players overall.
0: For sure, for sure. Um, and I know, as as Andy mentioned earlier, I've been making big trades with Andy. Yeah. Because um, of I've been flipping all these boxes, and uh, it's been it's been a good time. I've definitely enjoyed <laughs> the Commander Legends, than probably the most out of any of the sets recent. I thought Monarch
1: and Encore are really good. Um, I mean like, oh, uh, but you know, but my only thoughts are is like, you know, my, I thought Encore was really going to be really really broken in the beginning based on number of opponents but it's actually really supplemental and it's like the same thing with monarch 2 they're making the game you know more interactive in the fact that every turn has actual purpose you know instead of the dead turns that everyone's sitting on in a lot of multiplayer games you know and it really helps you know the accessibility of actually being able to play a format that everyone enjoys
0: and with that i think we're going to move on to uh the the last set we'll be talking about for 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 the day, for the episode it's gonna be Time, mm-hmm. which released in February of this year, 2021. Oh, so that was the that was the first
2: expansion for this for this year, wasn't it? Yeah.
0: Yes, it, it was the first expansion of t- 2020 or 2021 uh, or 2021. Excuse me. Yeah. Exactly. The mechanics that were introduced in really heavy on One of them was foretell. Mm. And so basically foretell. Is to foretell something you would pay for. It's uh you would pay two colorless and put it in uh, basically exile, and then you would pay the foretell cost, which is however much the card says, and you would be able to play that after that turn mm-hmm. at the speed of the card. So for say, if you foretell a sorcery card, you can't play it at instant speed. You can right. only play it at sorcery speed. So that's one mechanic. I know we only drafted Coldheim once, but I, I know it's very heavily added in to Kaldheim. I, I played I think green, black, and I still got a heavy dose of Fortel. I mean
1: it, it was kind of like my, my thoughts about party a little bit. Like I like I like Fortel a lot um, but it's kind of hard to be able to figure out like what to do with the exile zone a little bit. There's stuff like you know like Alrund you know is one of the cards where like basically you know he's a god that's also a, a, a modal and he like adds plus one plus one for each card in exile and things like that but it's uh, you know, it, we're still, Wizards are still laying the base for it, and you know, like, you know, I don't see anybody playing suspend decks or anything like that, really. But, right, I,
2: I, uh, cause you and I, we, we both got the Ragnar, Ragnar, right? Yeah, Ragnar. Yeah, The Azorius deck with the foretell, the, the foretell mechanic was the big staple for that deck. was like, he, he was like, whenever you, uh, cast a card from exile, right? Or for, anywhere from other than your hand, I think it was.
1: Yeah, or it was like any basically from your hand or uh, from the graveyard, or from the battlefield. Yeah, just
2: somewhere play. else other than your hand or something like that. You get a 1-1 one, one, uh, spirit, I think it was. Um, I, I I played the deck, and I actually won with the deck, believe it or not. I didn't think the whole game I was going to win with the deck, though. That, that was the thing about it is I, I, I won with, like, off the skin of my teeth. It was just barely, barely uh, able to get, uh, get through. But I, I didn't think it was uh, too powerful in any way. I don't see it being very powerful. I don't see anyone like, playing it very competitively, at least not yet. Kind of like how you're saying, yeah, I'd relate it with the uh, the uh, party mechanic, where it's like it's such a new thing. There's, it's hard, like other than with like suspend and fortale like, it's hard for me to think of other ways to to combo that that kind of effect of casting other than your uh, anywhere other than your hand. I just don't think there's enough cards in the format yet to really make it very like pop off in, in any certain. Way I, I just didn't find it too enjoyable, I guess, in my own sense, but
0: it might differ from differ from player to player. For sure, for sure. Um, well, the next mechanic uh, was Boast. I don't know if I saw much Boast play when we were um, playing, but... Uh, can we read it? I actually yeah. I so what it does. So how Boast works is, um, I think, uh, you, you activate your Boast abilities during combat. And so, for example, Vargoth, uh, the Blood Sky Sire, he's a legendary creature. He's a black for, a black creature for one black and two colorless. You can boast him for one black and one colorless when you attack a target player searches their library for a card, then shuffles their library and puts that card on top of it. So basically, when you're going into combat and taking this, you're, you're going into combat, you say you're going to activate your boast ability and you can tag I don't think you can tap it, but you can the mana and then do whatever your post is on the card mm-hmm. so i mean i didn't see much of it get played but i think it, it sounds like you can really do a lot in very aggro decks like a a red deck a, a green deck a, gold, a black deck i think it it does have a lot of aggro and i think like foretell i don't know there's much use outside of so far this set mm-hmm. and it's something that maybe maybe they need to build up on if they want to see more play with it um, I, don't, I just don't see it as much so far. I don't think I've seen it as much in competitive play. I,
2: I, it actually is a powerful effect. So Vagroth, Blood, Blood Sky Sire. Oh no, I mean, yes,
0: this card is very valuable. It's a tutor.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. I mean, a tutor every turn as long as it's out and you can attack with them. It's. It, I feel like that could be very powerful. I didn't see much of it get played though. I, I think I would have preferred maybe seeing more of that honestly than foretell. I feel like I saw foretell a lot more. But that that boost ability, I see a lot of ways of manipulating that and. I think that could be really cool. I, I, I like that effect. It kind of forces you to do something, too. Like, attack and get get the game going. I like that effect.
1: I think that's pretty cool. I think both, you know, Fertel and Boast are really interesting. And they really give, you know, the advantage that I feel like the game needs, you know, as far as being able to make every step matter, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, you know, we... Uh, we uh, we don't have enough of it to be able to mani- manipulate it hard enough. I like Boast, but it's like people are still going to play aggressive decks without boost because because it, it still will work. Like you don't need it.
2: But I, I like what you said. Make try to make every like like turn matter. I feel like you know, especially early game, especially if you don't have, like ramp spells or something like you're just playing a land or past play a land past turn until you finally get enough land. But I, I do see foretell actually being a good way to kind of help fix turn that because right you, usually foretell it's a cheap two, two two mana cost. And then usually you pay it later for a reduced cost of the actual spell, right? Because you already paid the two, and then the next turn or whatever, you can actually play it for, like, maybe what would be just two mana, but, or what would have been, like, three or four mana, but then it's just two mana for the four-tough cost. It, like, a way of kind of manipulating your play so that, right, every turn you can play something that's effective
0: and does something to the board state or whatever. It be. Well, yeah. Well, that, that's both. Um, uh, modal double-faced cards we are talking about, and... Mm. I think this is one of the one of the good things, one of the one of the good mechanics from this set. Um, so these modal double face cards, uh, like we were talking about earlier, you can play them as either. But what's been really, really, really interesting about uh, Kalheim is that uh, a lot of these are commanders. So like, there's a white commander. He is Havlar, God of Battle. He's a he's a two white and two colors God. And creatures you control that are enchanted or to have double strike. He's a four-four, and at the beginning of each combat, you may attach target order or equipment to a creature you control to target creature you control. So you could basically flash equipments onto mm-hmm. from other creatures. But his reverse side, he's his equipment. It's a one mana. It's a one white, one colorless, legendary artifact, Sword of the Realms. Equip creature gets plus two, plus zero, and has vigilance. And whenever it dies, return it to its
2: owner's hand. That, that, you know that's that's really cool that you know wizards decided to. Uh... Use modal for commanders. I, I think that's that's really different, right? In in a sense, it's almost like partner, right, where you get these two choices, but you have to for instead for modal, you have to choose one or the other. And and when it dies, right, you can you can then rechoose the other face in commander because uh, I haven't played a modal commander before.
0: I, yeah, I mean, well, it, yeah, it goes to your command zone and then you can pick either, but it still has it's cool. the same command tax on it.
2: I, I think that's that's really innovative. I, I think that that is going to create a lot of different kind of style of play for people. I know one of our friends. She she likes to she likes that snow snow effect, right? And Callheim introduced snow. Now, that's actually another uh, effect that we could talk about. Is uh, you know, for s- snow, it really wasn't something that was like commander worthy it was maybe for standard or, or yeah, whatever we had
0: ice age blocks right
2: there, there just wasn't any commanders that, that well that rift well with snow and finally they, they came out with some and, and she plays Jorn, god of winter he's also a model uh he's in soul type colors and he says uh he, I, I believe his um, front side is a sim i, I think but essentially, when he attacks, you untap all of your snow permanents. And that, that's, that's actually a really, really cool effect. If you play a bunch of snow lanes, you get a bunch of mana back. If you play, uh, you know, whatever, be, and, and snow creatures, you can untap them. I, I think that's really cool. And then her, the back side, excuse me, the front side is just uh, two and a green. The backside back side is one in a blue and a black. And it's an artifact, and it says you can tap it to play uh, snow permanents from your, your graveyard. And I just think that's great. They they added snow. I don't even know what set that was.
0: Oh uh, yeah, it was a while back. It was I believe it's during an ice age set or something yeah, around there. Be well before I, I wasn't even into Magic, and so I was like,
2: I, I was almost confused why I saw snow in the first place. Like, oh okay, I'm, I'm playing Commander now, but what was the point of snow? And they they finally gave it a reason. Called the call time gave it, snow a reason to be in the Commander format. And I think that's great too.
0: And I, For sure. Yeah, I know we don't get a lot of coverage in snow since since those sets and that was something that was a good a good recurring a good example of a recurring mechanic that has coming back. Yeah,
1: it's pretty <laughs> that's pretty much how it is it feels a little bit, you know, like it, it is kind of a great point, like you know, this, this is a whole other layer of each zone that we can really use and they have played it before. I don't know if it's wholly utilized. And now we're seeing a little bit of what it can really be, but you know it's hard to know where they're gonna go with it. We're gonna revisit call time like in the next five years, or you know, like mm. is, is snow gonna become this point where it just kind of dips off again? I like it. I really think it's a great way and a thematic way to be able to interact with the game. I don't know what it's gonna mean.
2: True. I, I mean, in the foreseeable future, we haven't none of the uh, expansions coming out seem like they're gonna deal with snow at least that we can see. I want them to deal with it more though. It's a great mechanic that I just I think it's underutilized. Right? I just think it could be. I think it could really just spark a lot more. I could, I don't know. I, I, th- I like snow and the fact that it's not used enough. I, I think that's kind of a uh, kind of short-sighted.
0: Oh yeah, and I think uh, I, I agree with both of your points on that. All right, and uh, the two pre-cons for Kaldheim were uh, the Elves Commander, which uh, was a good callback for me. One of my first Magic decks ever was a green, a green-black Elf deck, and I enjoyed that deck and. When we started playing Commander, I stopped playing it, but now I can. Um, and the other one was a Foretell deck. Uh, so the, fir- the the green, uh, black elf one is. Um, what was his name? Lathril. Lathril, Blade of Elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever he attacks and does damage, uh, you get elves equal to the amount of damage he does to a player. Um, and then you can tap 10 elves and him and do t- 10 damage to every player. And gain ten life. There's each opponent, right? Each opponent, yeah. Opponent, yeah each yeah. opponent. And then the Fortel yeah. one um, would, is either one of you guys want to talk about um, him? Because I have Yeah, Raynor
1: th- is a two, and then uh, Azorius two four Vigilance flying. Whenever you exile a creature from your hand or the battlefield, you create a one one white spirit token. Uh, it, I while, while you say like elves and like a Fortel deck, it is kind of interesting because it's like like even like Raynor is a spirit. It's it, like some of it half functions as like spirit tribal, but it's like not supported enough, like yeah. to be able to be played out. It's like, you know, there's actually some really good cool cool spirit cards, but like, man, elves, man, you know, there's there are elves, you know, everyone <laughs> so knows the about elf elves cards to choose from.
2: Yeah, but the, the foretell effect and then the, the spirit effect, maybe it wasn't, dip, maybe it just needs to centralize more because I, I felt it was weird when I was playing the deck and I was playing that one game. I felt like I had like I was doing okay in card draw. But I kept drawing the cards that were like flickering effects, and I just felt like I didn't have enough on the field that was like worthwhile flickering and stuff like that. I didn't feel like it had enough focus, maybe, and uh, maybe that was the problem. I, I think the elf deck is probably better than the the, 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 the four tail deck, and, that, and that's my opinion.
1: Mm-hmm. No, you uh, make a good point too, because isn't like about flickering your board state? Did, Brago came out in Commander Legends, right? Like,
2: brago he, he was before that i think too. well
1: you know like i think so hey like even that is just nearly enough unsupported like i right. like flickering i like the whole whole idea of being able to move your horse state it's not that powerful
2: I, I did end up making a, a budget Brago deck. It, the, the flickering effect definitely can be manipulated in certain ways. Like like you put down a meteor bomb, flicker mm-hmm. meteor bomb constantly. You can destroy people's board states, and the the deck just didn't go go to that focus. It was like it was like half foretell, or and then like half like spirits, half flicker. I just
0: couldn't tell what it was trying to do. I think Callheim added something actually. Pretty, pretty cool. Red is Red's first counter spell. Oh, really? Tybalt's trickery.
1: Yeah, Red's first direct counter spell. You could, yeah, there had the whatever red elemental
0: blast. You could target one blue spell. This is, yeah, this is a a, a counter target spell spell of any color. So, I hate this card. (laughs) So, this is Tybalt's trickery. It's a one red and one colorless counter target spell and choose one, two, or three at random. If controller mills that many cards and then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non lion card with a different name than that spell. And they may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exiled cards in the bottom of their library in any random order. And I just think that's its amazing that Red finally has a counter spell that isn't directed at a one certain color. That's amazing to me. Red
2: Re- needs, um... I need some oomph anyway.
0: I-, I feel like it's just...
2: I mean, it's very aggro, of course, right? You gotta win fast, but like, I think having more effects like that is, is what it needs. It needs something new, something. This red right on its own; just to, it can't really compare to some of the other colors.
0: Uh, for the last part of this, um, I want to go into some cards and Caldheim that you guys liked or that you think are really, really interesting or really good. I like Coma, Oh uh, Yeah, Cosmos Serpent. Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It can't be countered basically at each upkeep you're creating a three three you're a three three creature so, so before your
2: next turn you're creating 18 power on the field like with him you, 12 well 12 but you play him too oh, i mean yeah. that's like the like second you get him out if he if he if he can't be countered if he can't be killed before your next turn that's 18 power you've just produced in the, in the term in, in one round
0: yeah and even if you get to that next person's upkeep and they try and kill it you can sack that one coil you got to give him indestructible, or you can sac a coil, one of those tokens to tap target permanent, and you can't use activated abilities. He's a big, big play though. I mean, that's a seven drop. That's three, two green, and two blue. It is a big play, but you, as we said earlier, you're playing in Civic. You've got land drop, yeah, you've yeah, got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: so it's very much. The AC deck definitely was uh, very, very, very powerful.
0: Yeah, I. That, that came out in uh, Commander Legends. Yeah, the, the AC... AC deck. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are there any cards in this set you guys would like to talk about?
2: You know, uh, some, uh, may, may, I'm not too knowledgeable. On it. I never played with the god cards too much And I, I feel like that's something that they definitely went into. I, I when I drafted it I didn't I barely got a swap for for uh, for gods when I drafted but um, I, I Think that's a cool fa- uh, uh, like thing to delve into the fact that they added all these gods because they can be legendary creatures um, I know they add stuff with the World Tree, I, these are all just kind of things I'm just listing that they added in more of, and I, I didn't play into it much, but, you know, time is still kind of new, it's something I might, might look into more as, a, as maybe some of the cards start
1: dropping in price and stuff like that. Um. No, I mean, it is really interesting, like, I feel like Gods are a little more supportive than a lot of things that are going on. So like, you know, we can see Gods and Theros and um, a couple of other little sets like that, but,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know now it's they're having a little bit of a tie so it's like oh you can finally maybe do god Tribal if if you're really trying to push that budget and figure that all out but yeah definitely i feel like a very
2: probably a pricier deck if you're messing with a bunch of gods some of those gods get pretty pretty
0: pricey a little little out of my budget i mean most definitely but i we haven't talked about but the world tree Mm. is a land that is introduced not even a legendary land in Kaldon <laughs> really? It's, uh, it's, I, no, it's legendary. not oh, a legendary land you can tap it for a green <laughs> oh or you can tap uh, for double Wuburg which is two of every color in the game mm-hmm. you sack the world tree and then you get to search your library for any number of god cards and put them onto the battlefield mm-hmm. so like what mm-hmm. Mike was just talking about yes. that god tribal that could really really be interesting if you're able to use this cause you're gonna have, you can have it you can you can use it anyways. It's a land. You're gonna be able to tap it, mm-hmm. and as long as you control six or more lands, uh, you can add one. You can basically tap any land for an extra color. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I would like to see that because I, I remember I, I I
2: was, yeah. But that's that's a big chromatic deck. I yeah. first chromatic deck I got into was back in M21 with the shrines. I like that they had the shrine effect, and I, I find similarities with that and the uh, the world tree, the the, the gods, right. I think that's just so many different effects in play that are very big effects. It just it becomes over overbearing at some point. I think I'd like to see that be played out.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um. Well, is there anything else about Callheim uh, you guys want to talk about, or anything in general you guys want to talk about? What we just what talked about today, like any of the sets, any last like closing words or anything? I mean, I I've honestly been enjoying Magic the Gathering more
2: this past year than than probably the previous. I I think. I think they they've been doing well. Wizards has been doing well. I hope they're not you know moving too fast. Maybe then then they can they can handle. You know they they've been putting out sets like constantly. It feels like, um, but no. I, I really I think this is a great time for new players too to get into with all these new sets, all these cards coming out, and, and, and not to mention like since people love the commander format, they've recently added these budget more budget commander. Uh, decks to choose from they have like what six
0: twenty dollar decks to
2: choose from a
0: year and then they have if you're not on a budget they have the nice fifty sixty dollar precons that come out with these expensive land drops yeah. these soul rings they, they're they chock full of value for, for what you're paying for them
2: no I, I think they're definitely on the right track for sure I, you know there uh, there's other things in Wizards I, I definitely don't like but I think so far with, with these sets I think they've been doing well I, stuff I didn't, didn't like is like what was it the secret layer stuff yeah you know, I, I think that's definitely Pat, milk and stuff enough, for the other episode. But definitely but I think it's in terms of the sets that we ghosted today I I, I think I, like there's not one that I actually disliked like I, I'd say I prefer one in, over the other but I can't say I was like oh call time was, it sucked I didn't like this. no I, I like the whole thing I just think I have preferences but so far they've been on a good track record for me
0: yeah well, yeah, well at the end of the day it's just all of us getting together and playing magic and it's good. It's magic. Magic's there. Just it's, it's almost an excuse for people to, to get together and hang out. It's, oh, it's definitely, a good time.
2: Definitely. Uh, you guys did, uh, like drafts with, uh, with, at the ga- LGSs and stuff. That's, that's something I didn't get to do. And hopefully after COVID season ends and whatnot, I definitely love to get back into that. And I, hopefully we see a lot of new newer players that we never seen before, you know, after the COVID lockdowns, after they, they you know, the restrictions are out and whatnot. People can get together and, I'd love to see what what other decks people made and stuff like that. I think it would be great.
0: So far I think they're on a good on a good path. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks for joining me um, on the first episode and I uh, hope you guys have a good night.